Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, If you weren't here with us last week as I introduced this particular letter, uh, I want to say a couple things about it. Here's here's a quick slide that I'll show you with a bit of information. Number one, the author of this letter that we're studying, Paul the Apostle, and he writes this letter to a bunch of churches, some of which he likely helped to to start and plant, uh, in a Roman province of Galatia. It's in modern-day Turkey. And he had been there, and he had taught them about Jesus, and many people had received Jesus by faith, and now he's writing to them, and he's writing this approximately 49 AD, um, which, this is really important, Jesus would have been crucified and resurrected somewhere between 30 and 35 AD. And someone came to me after the first service and said, I never thought, I always thought Jesus was crucified around 0 AD, like BC and after death. But it's actually Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, and the kind of zero mark on the calendar marks the birth of Christ. And so this is important because in 49 AD, we're within 20 years of Jesus' death and resurrection. This is ground zero for the gospel and the Christian faith. Paul writes to, to basically solidify, this is the gospel message. This is what I and the apostles are teaching about Jesus. And namely, what he does is he's going to answer the question that all religions are asking. And the question that all religions are asking is this simple question. What can a person do to be right with God? Religions around the world seek to answer this question. And some answer it by saying, be a better person. Some answer it by saying, you reincarnate as a better person and then keep trying until you eventually get it. Others say, no, you meditate until your mind is, you know, kinda, is kind of realigned with the universe. Others say, no, you have to do good things or sacrifice things. And there's all of these different ways that people try to get right with God, but the, the Bible is unique among religious texts in that it literally tells us there's nothing we can do to be right with God, which is bad news and really good news. The good news is that since there was nothing we could do to be right with God, that God enters into human history to do it on our behalf, that he sends his own son into the world who lives the perfect life, who dies on the cross for our sins taking our punishment, and then he rises again and offers new life to those who believe in him and who will follow him and trust in him, and he gives them righteousness, and he makes us right with God. So there's literally nothing we're doing. It's something we're receiving, and therefore there's there's no room for any of us to stand before God one day and be like, oh, I did it. I was good enough. Like, I was better than that person, or I did enough nice things for old ladies, or I gave enough, or attended church enough. None of that stuff. It's all good things to do, but we're going to stand before God and fall on our faces and say, thank you for saving me. That will be the correct response to the gospel that Paul came to bring. And so he comes to this region of Galatia, and he says, trust in Jesus. And there are Jews in the area that go, oh, Jesus is our Jewish Messiah, and so they begin to worship with the local church that Paul plants. And then Romans and Greeks and other people begin joining this group. But once Paul leaves, there's a a group of Judaizers, we'll call them. And these are Jews that have received Christ, but that are insistent that the people, the Romans and the Greeks, have to also become Jewish. I mean, their argument was simple. Did you know Jesus was a Jew? Oh yeah, I guess he was. Jesus was also circumcised. And Jesus didn't eat bacon. 
And, and Jesus went to synagogue every Saturday. And Jesus did this and this and this and dressed like this. And, and so you must become Jewish in order to have a Jewish Messiah. And Paul writes going, no, 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 no. You receive Christ and Christ alone is the means of our salvation. And so he's writing to correct this. And uh, so today what I want to do is I want to pick it up. And we've got about 14 or 15 verses to read through. So why don't we just read through them all together? I want you to see the flow and context of, of Paul's language. Uh, and then I'm going to spend some time outlining our theme for today. And then we'll kind of walk back through it piece by piece. Is that good? You guys with me? All right. We'll throw it up on the screen. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up and follow along. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. Uh, Paul has literally just said, if anyone teaches a message other than what I've taught you, I don't care if it's an angel, I don't care if I come back in five years telling you something different, don't believe it. He's that firm. And then he continues the chapter in this way, beginning in verse 10. For I, am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I didn't make this up. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, I got this straight from Jesus. This isn't somebody else's idea. This gospel I'm telling you, I got it from Jesus. It's a good source, by the way. Verse 13, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism. Judaism is the religion of the Jews. And these Judaizers were coming in saying, Jesus plus Judaism is the way to God. And he says, no, just Jesus. Oh, and by the way, guys, I once was moving up the ranks in Judaism myself, beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart from before I was born. We're going to focus in on this verse a little bit later. And who called me by his grace. Paul says, I'm going in one direction. God seized me and sent me in another direction. God called me. When he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul's specific calling was to take this message that was once only for Jewish people in the land of Israel, and now he's taking it to the rest of the world, namely the Roman Empire. In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. He's literally speaking of Jesus' younger brother who becomes a leader in the church after his resurrection. I guess he believed his brother was actually God. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then, he says, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea, that's in, in Israel, the home church, that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Now, that's a lot of facts, a lot of information. Like, where, how are we going to get a sermon out of this? That was my problem all week. <laughs> I thought about it, and I looked at it, and I read it. And I'm going, okay. Paul's giving, what's he doing? He's giving a defense of his calling. 
He's saying, here's who I am. Here's what God called me to. Here's the message that God gave me. The reason why he's doing that is because his message, his motives, and his ministry are all being attacked by the Judaizers who are in this area. And he writes to defend himself. Now, Paul didn't normally write in this way. He didn't normally, in in his other letters, he doesn't spend all this time explaining his calling. He's doing it because... He's under attack. I, I really, I had written out this whole outline for a sermon that I was going to preach uh, today from this text called um, How to Win an Argument at All Costs. And I was literally going to go, okay, so what were the Judaizers saying and how were they approaching it? I was going to tell you how to win an argument, even if you're wrong. And I thought that might be helpful, especially if you're sinister. It would work. You, like, I know it works. And then I like turned on the news and I saw all the tactics being used in politics. And I'm like, oh yeah, still doing it today. Still there. But I'm not going to do that today. Uh, what I want to do is I want to talk about um, calling. And we're going to look at Paul's calling, and we're going to learn some things about calling, and then we're going to walk back through the passages. You see, as we read this letter to the Galatians, we're literally listening to one side of a phone call. We literally are. Like, there have been times when I'm sitting at home with my wife, you know, we're kind of sitting on the couch, and we're having a conversation, and then the phone rings. And to which she jumps up and answers the phone, she, you know, across the room. She's like, oh, hi! The first service, I did a British accent. With, hello, governor. And it was all wrong. But she's like, hello. And, and then she's like, oh, it's so good to hear from you. I haven't talked to you in a while. And I'm sitting there going, who is it that just interrupted us so rudely? Right? And, she, and, the, and literally, I'd be like, who is it? I'm asking her. And she's on the phone. And she just holds out her hand like, they're more important. You just wait. I'll tell you later. Right? And so I'm, I'm getting frustrated. I know none of you would ever be frustrated with something like this. And so she's talking, and they're having this conversation, and I'm sitting there going, okay, who's she talking to? What are they talking about? Why is she laughing? Or, you know, and, and so you're literally listening to one side of a conversation, trying to figure out who's on the other side and what they're talking about. You ever been there? That's what we're doing as we read Galatians. Because there are Judaizers who are saying and doing things, and Paul is writing in response to it, and all we have is his response. So as we look at it, we we begin to ascertain what's going on. Namely, that they are saying Paul's message is his own, not God's. Paul's not really an apostle like the real apostles. He doesn't have the authority. And he's only doing this to please himself or to please people. His motives are wrong. His message is wrong. And he's not really an apostle. And that's why he defends himself by saying, no, let me, let me bring clarity to all of these. And so through it, we can learn some things about calling. And that's what I want to I address today is the subject of calling. Look at this word up on the screen, calling. And some of you, if you've been around church, have heard this word. And maybe, you know, this is really, it's a kind of religious word. Like nobody at the water cooler in the mechanic shop is like, so, do you know your calling? Like calling? What, did somebody call? Like what, this idea of calling is like, so when we talk about it in church, you, you usually hear somebody say, you know, I sensed a calling to go into ministry. And they like left their career and went and worked at a church, which is not usually a good idea, by the way. Uh, but it works out once in a while. Um, this idea of calling. Or, you know, I sensed a calling to go onto the mission field. And so they leave Canada and head to India or Africa. So when we think of calling, we often think of these big, massive shifts. Like, like Paul, where he's headed in one direction. And God seizes him and sends him in a whole other direction. And he's got this really specific task. And we're all going, okay, that's for those people. But I actually believe that... Um, we were created by a creator, all right? Now, I know that's not common in our culture today to think that way, but I believe that we were created, 
And that's why we ask this essential question. All throughout history, people of every culture have asked this question of why am I here? And that question that all of us ask is literally the language of calling. It's like, okay, I'm here. I have unique gifts. I have unique skills. I have opportunities. I'm, I'm different than everyone else. And so therefore, if God created me this way, then there must be something he wants me to do. There's some sweet spot that if I find it, I can make the biggest influence and difference in the world, that I can accomplish what I was designed to accomplish. It's this question of why am I here? And people ask this question whether they believe in God or not. It's the language of calling. And they're trying to figure out what in the world am I here for? So I believe that we were designed with something in mind. And if that's true, if God created us unique for a purpose, then it essentially means that Everyone has a calling. You're like, wait, you mean I'm supposed to be a pastor? No, please don't be a pastor. If all of us were pastors, I'd be out of a job, first of all, because it'd be nobody to pastor. All right? So it's not that. But everyone has a calling. Everyone has something unique that God has called them to do. I believe that. Uh, when we think of this word calling, and whether you're young or old or wherever you're at in life, you think, well, okay, so, then, so if I'm called, then what is my calling? Well, I would generally break calling into two broad categories. The first is specific calling, and the second is general calling. The specific calling is the specifics that you're going to do that no one else is going to do. And that's usually where we get hung up. It's like, what am I going to do with my life? What is my unique role and contribution? And we think about these specific things. We've got a little list of them here, like what you do. So a lot of young people, as they they get to university uh, and and they start to, like, what am I going to do with my life? You're either there or you've been there, right? It's like, do I go in this direction or that direction? How do I decide? God, would you show me? And you start looking for signs anywhere. Sale signs, whatever. Just, God, just show me a sign so that I can know which way to go. So you want to know what specifically to do or who you love? It's like, should I marry her or not? Hey, pastor, should I marry this girl? Like, dude, that's your choice. Don't ask me, okay? I'm not going to tell you what you're supposed to do, your specific calling. You've got to figure that one out, right? Or where you live. Should I live in Peterborough or move to Vancouver? You know? Which is it? Where does God want me? That would be a very specific thing, wouldn't it? And so we get hung up trying to figure out what the specific calling of God is on our lives. But there's this general calling category, which I think most of us are going to spend our lives operating out of. And the general calling is, these are the things that God has called everyone to. God has called everyone to. So, for example, instead of what you do, it's how you do it. So maybe you're not sure if you're in the career for you, but you can show up to work on time, and you can work hard, and you can do everything as unto the Lord, and, and, and you can make your boss lots of money, and you can encourage and train others, and you can do the right things, even though you're not sure what your specific thing is. You can do the right thing. Or instead of who you love, like is it him or her? It's how you love. You know, I used to pray and be like, God, would you bring me the one? You know, this is kind of young people uh, often pray this prayer. They're like, God, I'm looking for the one that I'm going to marry. Well, I married my wife, Jessica, at the age of 22. And on that day, she became the one, right? And now it's not about finding the one. It's about how you love. We're to love our neighbor as ourself. We're to sacrifice ourselves for others. So you can operate in the general calling long before you know the specifics of where and what and who. Do you understand what I'm saying? How you live, okay? Whether you live in Peterborough or Vancouver, you can live a life that honors God. 
You can follow his commandments here or there. And my argument would simply be this. When you don't know the specifics of what you're supposed to do, which is often the case, by the way, when you don't know the specifics, you operate in the general calling. You go, what did, what did Jesus tell me to do? I'm going to do that. And if you'll, if you'll do that faithfully, God will lead you exactly where he wants you to be. That's good preaching. I'm just, I'm just saying that. So you don't have to clap or shout amen or any of that. No, please do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Thank you. So sweet. Got the slow clap on the left. It's wonderful. Um, did, did a little survey on Facebook this week just asking about calling. I said, hey, um, would you say you kind of know what your calling is or you're not sure? And it was about 50-50, the response, which I thought was really fascinating. So many of us in this room then clearly, some of us may feel like, yeah, I know exactly what God wants me to do. And others say, well, I'm just not kind of sure. Well, when you're not sure, you can pursue the general calling of God. And, and I would also say this about calling. Again, we, we mystify it and we say calling is this big thing. God called me to Africa. Like the people that leave are not the only people that are called, by the way. A few are called to go. Many are called to stay. Paul traveled in and out of regions and started churches, but he left elders and pastors and leaders in charge, and those people stayed for the rest of their life serving the people. Some of us are called to go. Most of us are called to stay. So it doesn't have to be some radical change of life to live inside your calling, if that makes any sense. So I've, I've kind of leveled the playing field. This applies to everybody now. You're probably still wondering, okay, so what's my specific calling and how do I find it? Well, I, I heard a message by uh, John Thompson, who is the teaching pastor at C4 Church in Ajax. And uh, I wanted to just share, he gave really four ways that you can find your specific call the specific thing that you're supposed to do. And, uh, and it was interesting because this, this list really came out of his own searching. And, and as he talked about it, he said he had all these friends in ministry that had like God spoke to them, like, like Paul, and like called them to start a church, do some crazy thing, and they did it. And it's like, wow, that's so amazing. And he said that wasn't the case for him, that he had worked hard and served in the church and risen to the lead pastor of this large church and said, I never had that experience. And what happened was when he looked in the scriptures, what he discovered is that there are other ways that God calls us to specific things. And, and so here's his list. I'll share it with you. The first way that God calls us to something specific is this, the I have no choice calling. <laughs> this would be Paul's experience. Paul is heading down the road. Let's go kill some Christians, arrest them, beat them. And Jesus shows up and says, uh-uh, you're actually going to go and preach the gospel to the rest of the world. And he says, yes, sir. Like, you don't argue with that. And literally, God seizes him and sends him in a direction. Now, Paul's story is unique. And that's, we're reading it today about how Paul's life changed around. Most people, that's not their story. So that's one type of story in the New Testament. Another one is the gifting calling. This means that there's something you're gifted at, and as you exercise that gifting, people begin to recognize it, and, and it develops into something that is uniquely yours. Uh, Luke is one example of that in the New Testament. He's, he's following around the apostles, and he's taking notes, and he's writing down conversations and details about Jesus and about the apostles and the history of the church, and he puts it all in letter form and becomes one of the authors of the New Testament, changes the world by simply doing what he does best. His gifting leads him right into the center of his calling. The next one is the family calling. All right, the family calling he defines as the spirit working through the prayer and molding of generation 
to generation to generation. An example of this is Timothy, right? Timothy is like a son to Paul. He ends up leading a local church. And, and Paul says, uh, it was the faith of your grandmother and your mother that you're standing on. And so you have Timothy who's developed into a pastor because of previous generations. And he finds himself in his calling through family. The last one he shared was the community affirmation. This is when the people around you in your church see something in you and call it out. And, and for many people, this will be how you will find your specific thing, your specific calling. An example of this is in uh, Acts chapter 6. The apostles are overworked, and they say, we need some uh, deacons who are going to take care of the widows and, and do ministry on our behalf. And they, they, they come to all the disciples, and they say, choose from among you. Everyone's looking around. Choose from among you men with wisdom filled with the Holy Spirit. And they look around, and they say, you you, you. And they collectively call out the gifts and the calling of God. And Stephen is one of those called out. So there are many ways that you will find the specific thing that God has created you to do. It doesn't have to be a light that throws you off a horse like Paul. It doesn't have to be uh, this big thing. God will find a way to get through to you your calling. Hope that's helpful. Now, here's the thing. I always thought that if I knew specifically what God called me to do, that life would get easier. (laughs) My wife just smiled at me because she knows that's not the way it works. When you find the thing that God has called you to do, whatever it is, things usually get harder. Think with me. If God created you to do a specific thing, to impact the world in a specific way, and you finally figure out what that is and start moving in that direction, don't you think all hell would break loose to try to stop you from achieving that thing. That's exactly what happens to Paul. Everything was going great for Paul while he was persecuting Christians. And then God gets a hold of him and sends him out, and now he's being persecuted. In fact, the reason why we have this amazing letter of Galatians, which has changed the history of the church, is because people were opposing his calling. And he writes to defend himself. So thank you for that. And what you'll discover is when you find the thing that God has called you to do, things will often get harder. So now that I've encouraged you some, um, you know, it's true though. You know, you make a commitment to be generous and your car breaks down. Like what, what in the world? You, you make a decision to really love your wife and she does something to just drive you nuts. Or you say, I'm just going to be the best parent in the world and your kids turn into maniacs. There's opposition. Whenever you go, this is the thing I got to do and you start moving that direction, there's always opposition. Always. That's usually an indication that you're headed in the right direction, by the way. Right? It's not, it's not always God closing the door. Sometimes it's the devil trying to stop you from going through. Um, just throw that out for free. And so Paul's motives, his message, his calling are all being questioned. Now let's, let's kind of walk through the verses and see his response. Uh, verse 10. Let's go back there. Paul says this. As he begins to um, defend his calling, he says, For am I now seeking the approval of men? Or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, okay, his former life persecuting the church was all about him uh, advancing through Judaism. He says, I, I used to do this, but now he says, I'm serving God. And if I were serving man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. The first thing you need to do when you start looking for the thing that God has called you to do is ask the question is, who am I doing this for? It's possible to do what God has called you to do for the wrong reasons. 
I'm a pastor. I can stand on the stage and I can preach and it can all be about me or it can be about you liking me or appreciating my sermons or it can be about God and what he wants to do in and through you and through me. Those motives are things that I got to wrestle with and things that you have to wrestle with. So Paul starts by saying, look, my motives are right. I'm doing this for God and for God alone. And we ought to start there because if our motives are wrong, we're in trouble. Verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that I preached by me is not man's gospel. This, This isn't somebody's idea that I'm preaching. It's actually, he continues, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, I got this message, faith in Christ alone, from the source, from, from Jesus himself. And, and I would like to encourage you, um, because Paul says, this is a truth. This is the hill I will die on. This, is, this truth is in the closed hand. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about closed and open hand theology. There are things that we believe that we have to hold so tightly to. This is one of them. Faith in Christ alone, the only way to be right with God. It is, it is sealed up shut. We're not going to argue about it. If you disagree, there are other churches that probably don't believe that. But there's a lot of things in the open hand that we can discuss and disagree and talk about. And knowing what those are, super important. Paul says, this one's staying in the closed hand because I received it straight from Jesus. Straight from Jesus. So I would encourage you, open this book. It's great to read books about the Bible. It's great to read commentaries. It's great to read your favorite author explaining the Bible, but open it and read it for yourself. Get it directly from the source. It'll change your life. And Paul says, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to, this is the hill I will die on. In fact, that was the hill he died on. He didn't die on a hill. He was beheaded, but it was for this truth. Jesus and Jesus alone. And he would not surrender that. So he says, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. If you want to talk about an achiever, a type A personality that's driven to succeed, Paul is your guy. And he's like, I was zealous. I was, I was passing everybody. I was so zealous for the traditions of my father. I was pushing people out of the way to get there. And then God gets a hold of him and changes his entire life. It reminds us that being driven and passionate are great, except when we're driven and passionate in the wrong direction. And yet when God gets a hold of him, he he turns him around. And he sends his zeal and passion in a better direction. Verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. Paul says, God wasn't looking down from heaven going, oh, that Paul guy's really interesting. Maybe I'll use him. God had decided already before he was even born that Paul was going to be the guy to do this. And he called him by his grace. He was pleased to reveal his son to me that when Paul met Jesus, it changed everything. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 9. In order that, and here's the specific call that Paul had, to preach him among the Gentiles. So, God shows up, grabs a hold of Paul in that I have no other choice way, and says, here's your mission, here's your specific calling, Paul. You're going to bring this message of Jesus to all the people that aren't in Israel. (laughs) The whole world, pretty much. That's your call. 
and he sends Paul out. Now, if I were Paul, I would be like, I saw Jesus, I heard from him, I am now an apostle, listen to me, and I would have run around telling everybody and promoting my ministry. That's probably what I would have done. It's not what Paul does. And so I've added this, this final point, and then we'll read the last five or six verses. Don't rush your calling. It's not enough to just figure out what it is God has called you to do. There's a right way and a wrong way to pursue it. And as I studied these verses, I was blown away at the patience that Paul shows. And I want you to see how long it takes him to actually step into his official calling. It's way longer than you think. Here's what he says. I did not immediately consult with anyone. He didn't see Jesus and run to the apostles and say, Jesus gave me a message for everybody, send me out. He didn't do that. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned to Damascus. Okay, he went on a little road trip, you know. Then, 18, after three years. That's a long time. After three years, he heads to Jerusalem, the kind of where the mother church is, all the apostles of Jesus. And he visits with Peter, Cephas, and remained with him 15 days. And he's very, very clear about this. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And again, he, this is important. He says, in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. I only saw Peter and James. That's the only people I saw while I was there. So track with me. He's, he sees Jesus for three years. He studies and prepares and probably digging through the Old Testament and figuring out all this stuff that God had called him to. And then after three years, he goes and spends a couple weeks with Peter, meets James, and then leaves again. Okay? And here's, here's what it says next. And I went into the region of Syria and Cilicia. He goes and begins to share this, this gospel message with people, with Gentiles in the region of Syria and Cilicia. He's practicing his call now. He's prepared for three years. Now he's practicing his call. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea. All the apostles in Jerusalem still didn't know me. I hadn't even spent any time with them. I was literally, I spent three years, and then I went over here and I'm preaching and doing my thing. They were only hearing it said that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God. They, they heard about what Paul was doing. They heard about his message. They saw the fruit of his calling, and they went, oh. In the next couple verses in the next chapter, we're not going to read them. Tells us, after 14 years of practicing his call, he goes to Jerusalem, shares his calling with the apostles, you know, the big guys. And they, after... Three plus 14, that's 17 years of preparation and practice. He goes and he shares his call with them and they go, yes, this is of God. Yes, God has sent you. We also send you. And they send him out on his missionary journeys. 17 years. So if you feel like God is showing you something that's for your life, just don't rush the process. There's a process. You grow and develop through it. When, when you read the Bible accounts, what you're going to discover is that Jesus we see him at age 12 in the temple, and he's, he's like clearly sent from God. He knows all these things, and then he disappears till the age of 30, preparing for his call. Moses starts his ministry at 80. Say, I'm too old to have a ministry, pastor. I'm not so sure about that. Sometimes we want to rush what God would do in our lives. So, in summary, every single one of us has a call, a general call the way we're to live, but a specific call, something that God has uniquely wired each of us to do with our lives. And 
you can pursue that by finding your specific calling. And that might be through some supernatural means that God shares it with you. It might be through your family. It might be through other people acknowledging in it. It might be your gifting. And don't rush the process. If we are willing to trust God and pursue him day by day, I've seen it time and time again in my life and in the lives of others, that God will lead us exactly where he wants us to be. Can we pray together? Father, thank you so much for this letter to the Galatians. Lord, as we read about Paul's calling, it's, it's so easy to be enraptured by the significance of the way in which you called him. But Lord, I want to acknowledge today that you have called each of us and our calling is no less significant, that God, you have something for us to do. And Lord, I pray that as we pursue to live the way that you have called us to live, but also to pursue the things that you have wired us and designed us to do in our lifetime, God, that we would do so with a spirit of humility with the gospel message of faith in Christ alone at its core. Lord, thank you for each person, young and old, for the teenagers that are listening to me today, who in the years ahead will have to decide and make decisions on where they go and what they do. To those of us who are in our 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, Lord, that we would be reminded that our life is not done and that our calling continues. So God, would you, would you captivate us by this idea that you have something specific for us to do and help us to walk out in it? in faith and humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next week.